Previously on Nerd Punches Nerd. And you like shake, you shake your fist at this guy, you take out your dreidel, your, your dreidel, you're like, hey Christopher Nolan, what do you think of this top? And then you stuff it down your pants. Hello and welcome to Nerd Punches Nerd, the only podcast where a bunch of nerds pretend to physically fight over minor pop culture minutia. Now today, our asking topic as we introduce ourselves is deceptively simple. Imagine, if you will, that you possess the eldritch power of necromancy, and you could summon back from the dead one fictional beast, a non-human, from the movies throughout the ages. And today, let's just exclude the obvious ones, no Bambi's mom, because the truth is, that whore deserved what she got. Yeah, that's right. So let's start from the tallest to the shortest. Oh, that means I get to go first. And Benji gets to go last. For the first time <laughs> ever. <laughs> That's right. Just introduce yourself before you answer. Of course, of course. I'm Sam. I am the tallest person on this podcast. <laughs> By 100,000%. By 100,000%. And I am going first on our uh, our question challenge for the first time ever. Um, so, the question is, what fictional non-human character from a movie who died would i bring back to life okay so my answer is the ferret from beastmaster um if any of you have seen the classic film beastmaster i know i know it's very early in the podcast but we're already getting into spoiler territory oh Um, all right (laughs) the thing is i've never seen beastmaster yeah so it's hard for me to care about spoilers okay (laughs) Well, anyway, just so people know, spoilers for Beastmaster. The movie came out in 1982. Anyway, one of the ferrets dies um, heroically, um, sacrificing itself in order to save the hero. And I, I would bring that heroic ferret back to life. And in a sense, um, I kind of cheated because in Beastmaster 2, the ferret does come back to life, or maybe it's a different ferret, or maybe they're the children of the other ferret. It's really not clear. Um, they never explain it. But um, in Beastmaster 2, there are two ferrets again, even though it takes place later on. Um, wow. So, yeah, so that's my answer. The ferret from Beastmaster. Now, does this ferret have a name, like Fairy or Ferrety? Um, so, I uh, apparently... <laughs> that's original, the, the two ferrets. There were two ferrets in Beastmaster. Um, they were named Poto and Kodo. Um, I don't know which one is the one that, that with the heroic sacrifice, nor do I know what the names of the ferrets were in Beastmaster 2, or if they were the same names or what. Um, but that's your answer. Either Poto or Kodo, whichever one dies, um, I would bring back to life. Was there a movie in like the late 80s with the kind of rodent-like creatures that were like, Flying around, and there's one really cute one, and one that's really evil looking. What? Like, are you, are you uh, what was the No, 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 no. They had the weird ears, and they had the um, and they were kind of rodent-like looking, kind of koala bear. Gremlins. Gremlins, right? Oh, wow, right. I can't believe I even knew what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Gremlins. <laughs> that's a weird pull. All right, moving on to the most medium tallest here. I'm Jeremy, and my choice is an evocative one. It's King Kong. Oh, 
Mm. Now I know what you're thinking, and you're right. I am not going to pick the original one or the later one, but I'm going to pick the most recent one by Peter Jackson. Because yeah. that movie, while relatively short and 17 uncut hours long, <laughs> you know, I feel like there was just so much more to explore, and we really could have started to understand why some people are into bestiality. <laughs> That should have been our next thing. What, bestiality um, in movies? <laughs> I just um, feel like King Kong had so much more to teach us. Yeah. It's and true. specifically Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis has much to teach us. <laughs> would, would Gollum count as a character? Oh, yeah, of course. Gollum, would. That would have been a good oh, answer. Oh, yeah, because he's, he's not human. That's right. Yeah. He is not human. Ah. I don't know, but you weren't clever enough to think of that. So, moving on... Hi, I, I'm Benji. I am the shortest in the podcast group. Um, and I was going to ch- choose first Simba's mom. Um, because uh, I always thought that was kind of unnecessary. But then I, when we were talking about Lord of the Rings, I was like, oh, you know what? It's uh in the Two Towers when the elven um like the elven guy um the the, the, the blonde haired elven guy comes to help. Uh, like you know, comes to Rohan's aid in uh, Helm's Deep, and the commander or whatever, and he gets killed. He's like, oh, I'd, I'd bring him back. Oh, what was his name? I don't know. Elforian. Elforian. <laughs> uh, we really, we really ought to know his name. That's kind of a shame that none now, of us. It's that actually a good that. thing that you didn't pick Sarabi, which is Simba's mother. Because she didn't actually die. She never died. So that would have been a bad choice. <laughs> oh, okay. I, her. I thought I thought she was... Or was what, what happened? She She's being like beaten or whatever by Scar, right? Well, basically, he and the hyenas were forcing all the lionesses to hunt for him, basically. Mm. As I recall. Now, I don't recall the name of the elf that you're talking about. Because I think I heard something about how he was he, sort of made up or something. His name is Lori Andras. Lori, what? Elfindiliel. Elfindiliel. That's so. Well, in the, in the book, there were no elves in that battle, right? Right. I think that was that was something that was just in the movie. Oh, really? All right. Time yeah. for a little bit. Well, of I Google. said just movie. All right. The answer is Haldir, an elf of Lothlorien. <laughs> yeah. And he um, was not in the book in that place. Yeah, eventually dying in the battle. That counts. All right, that was pretty good. So today's topic, though, is relatively simple. <laughs> <laughs> you might say deceptively simple, except it isn't. It has to be very complicated. And it's comic book movies. Now, we've all seen comic book movies, probably dozens, if not thousands, or even millions. And I thought maybe today we could just, you know, go through them and talk about a little bit of where we think they succeed and where we think they fail. Can I uh, posit my thesis at the beginning of this this year conversation? All right. So I was discussing this before, you know, during the commercial break, and I was uh, basically my thought is that 
as a rule, I think that comic book movie adaptations are failures, by and large. That is not to say that I do not enjoy the ones that I think are really good. In fact, I love them, the ones that are done really well. But I find, by and large, they're, they, they are failures. And one of the things that, that I think, and I remember Alan Moore talked about this a while ago, though I kind of think he's a little extreme about, about how much he doesn't like adaptations, but he did have a point. He was saying that comic books uh, are a unique medium, and it's very difficult to translate them into other mediums. And I didn't really think about that so much when he said it, but I thought about it more recently, and it's true. It's a very, 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 very unique style of, of storytelling. And you have to account for a lot of different things if you're going to make a successful comic book film, and you also have to have really good focus, I think, on what you want and, and, what, and what's going to happen. Are you just going to be in the spirit of it? Are you going to make it look like it? I mean, are you trying to get the ideas from it? And I think that... Um, I think that it, it it's just very difficult, and you could say the same for book adaptations. But there have been so many book adaptations that I think there are there ha- they have a little more of a success rate at least. And uh, you know, there's a lot you can do. But the thing is, that the, the problem with comic books, perhaps, is that comic book, comic books are also very visual. But if they're very, but but in the way that they're visual, they sort of capture your attention, so you're sort of tied in with the words. I may be rambling on a, a, bit, a little bit about it, but I do think overall they are failures, and and, it, and it's very difficult for people in general to both get the feel of the comic books across in in the movies, and also to um, even get it aesthetically. So, well, I mean, you make a very good point, and I think one thing that you said that was really interesting was that being that comic books are so visual, I think people <laughs> naturally tend to assume that they'll work as movies, right? maybe even better than books, which are not visual, when really the opposite is true. The fact that comic books are visual actually makes it harder for them to be successful at movies because it's harder for the movie to capture the literal um, visual appearance that you get from a, from a comic book where things are drawn in a way that uh, is hard, to, it's hard to, to recreate that in live action. So, Benji, I wanted to ask you, though, have you read a book called Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud? I know I Jeremy's read it, but I don't know if you've read it. And I think this is it, he talks about these same kind of issues. The thing is that um, I I I'm intimately aware of it. He's one of those people that's like I feel like always yelling at me that I, like I need to be reading him like Hemingway, but like I just I read a little bit of Hemingway, but like I I really have read so little of it, and I can't I can remember almost nothing. That he and all the words he wrote. I remember some pictures from the book because Jeremy had it for a while. But like, there's I read it at a pretty young age, a, a little bit of stuff, and it really didn't capture my interest. And I wanted it to be something different. I probably would feel differently now, but no, I haven't actually really read it. Well, well I, I mean, all right, I have you read definitely it. should. Okay, Jeremy, you can go ahead. You can talk about it. You probably know it even better than I do. All right. Well, he talks about this concept of sequential art. That's how he defines the medium of the comic. And he talks about it as being important and independent from other kinds of media because of the way it can portray differences in how we perceive the visual aspect versus time. That's a good point. And Cause, yeah, because they're really frames of individual art pieces. That's the thing. I mean, you could argue perhaps that a movie is a series of photographs, but not exactly the same way. It um, isn't. No, animation changes things. By, yeah, once you really get into uh, the, I mean, I'm saying animation not just as 
cartoons, but you know, moving pictures. Because once you do that, once your brain starts to perceive movement, it's a different thing altogether. Right. When you're reading a comic, your mind is making the animation for you, essentially. It's right. filling in the blanks. And that's something that so a they... movie doesn't really do, at least not in the same way. When you read a comic, you don't even think about it. You just, you're reading what, two panels. Yeah. One, in one panel, someone's standing... The other one, they're on the they're on the ground. Something happens that your the mind tries to connect. You can do other things like where one guy is running in one panel and then he's running a little bit more in the next. Your mind also does something with that, and it's a different it's, thing. It's like it happens. gives you a, unless it gives you a template. It's kind of what it's like. Right. So, so this it's is like... part of the problem with something like the Watchmen adaptation, <laughs> because there was a little too much of trying to show as though you were looking at the comic, which you can't really do in a movie. Right. The thing is, the reason Sin City worked, even though it looked like the comic, is because the comic was trying to look like a movie. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. And I'm glad that you brought up Sin City. I'm glad you brought up Sin City in particular in comparison to Watchmen. Because... So, right. so, you, so Sam, you're saying that with Watchmen, it's more than just problems with the adaptation and i can agree that the movie has problems as a movie but i'm talking about problems as an adaptation so there's a difference between failing as an adaptation by which i mean it fails to really capture the spirit of the original it fails to translate the material because you can still theoretically translate material successfully and i should say not translate successfully but have a good movie for example, some people have argued that some of the Batman movies are bad translations, mm-hmm. but are good movies. Right. right. Yeah, or um, Constantine. Uh, yeah, I well, some that. people like that movie, <laughs> but not many people do. I, I, I like that as an example, just because Constantine is like such an enormous betrayal of the original source material. And when I saw the movie, I didn't really know anything about the source material so I didn't care. And I thought it was, you know, entertaining. It, it kind of works as a movie, but it's a horrible adaptation. Yeah, right. I, I, I just had sort of guess, a little bit of epiphany about it, why perhaps it's a, it can work more often with books. Because with books, all you have to be faithful to is just the words in the book, but there are a lot of options for that. Um, and it captures people in their imagination, so maybe they can try to hit what they think people's imagination is or good description of the book or whatever. But with comics, they already have this visual template. So it's like, what do you focus on? Do you focus on the imagination, how people feel about the characters or the story? Do you focus on the aesthetic? Do you focus on like the ideas? You know, all, all those all those different things. And I think right. you know the Christopher Nolan thing. I didn't think it was totally not comic booky. There there are elements of it that were pretty comic book like. Saying but, comic book e is not really right. what I mean. Right, right. Whether or not it's really a, a faithful translation or not. No, no, no. I, I'm I not even getting into that per se. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think they, they really are super faithful. However, um, I, I think one of the things they work is you know he does get a little bit of some of the ideas of of Batman and gets in a little bit of the spirit of it too. You know, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's a little more. Well, actually, I don't know if it's more over the top, but it's you know, he, he's involved with like more of the city in the movies than. Uh, than I think Batman is in, in the uh, in, in the show. I mean, in the in the comic book. I could be totally wrong, though. 
like, well, I think like when you're talking about time. when you're talking about the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, I think they're not. I mean, they weren't really like faithful in terms of their visual style, particularly. Oh no, no. not at all. Um, you know, I mean, they had they they had their own style, which was fine. It was a good style. Um, but I think some of the other stuff you're mentioning, um, in terms yeah. of the uh, well, Batman the the themes, story. you know, I think the themes are. Uh, reasonably faithful to the uh you know to the to the aesthetic um you know in terms of their theme in terms of their content compared to the compared to the comics some comics i mean there's a lot of batman comics and they're kind of all over the map in terms of yeah, themes yeah. um but at least some of them yeah but so, so oh, go ahead jeremy the batman is different though similar to superman we're talking about something that started as a comic in 1939 and superman was a little bit before that so, really, there have been so many permutations of Batman, so many changes, so many, like, the Silver Age, where it just got weird, you know, where you had the, you know, the, the Dark Ages, you had the Frank Millers, you know, and then you had revivals of Brave and the Bold to try to make things more, like, trying to mix some mature themes with sort of the fun of Silver Age. So, Batman has gone through so many different versions and incarnations that... I don't think you can really say whether or not it was a faithful thing to Batman as a, as a visual thing because he's been so much. I mean, really, you could say that the, even the old TV show was a pretty good adaptation yeah, so of the old silly Silver Age stuff in some ways because it was kind of like that. But you know what? I would say, though, that I don't think the Tim Burton Batman movies or the Joel Schumacher Batman movies were particularly faithful to anything from the comics. Yeah. But would you say that any of them are good movies? Um, I don't know. Most people seem to think that the first two Batman movies are pretty decent, or at least the first one. I think, yeah. I think the first Batman movie is okay, but I, it's certainly not great. I have some nostalgic feelings for the second one, but it's really mostly nostalgia because I had a lot of crap about it. Like I got a, I got a movie book, and I, I got like a... a, a like a novelization. Yeah, you were really into that. You were really into the Penguin. You thought he was really cool. Yeah, so I like that movie, and I still kind of like it, even though there are a lot of flaws. I think the people who hate it the most are the people that really loved the Batman movie, which I have never even seen fully beginning to end, although I feel like I've seen every bit of it at one point. It just never impressed me that much. And Jack Nicholson just never impressed me as the Joker per se, even if I thought I liked his acting, it doesn't mean I think that the character seemed very Jokerish to me. Right. It just seemed like Jack Nicholson playing the Joker, and sometimes That's... that works. You know, sometimes Jack Nicholson as works for a movie, like A Few Good Men. I think that really works, but sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I think that you can definitely argue that there are some things, even in Batman Forever, for example. There were interesting explorations of Batman. For example, there was this whole idea about Batman's backstory and about what he was afraid of, and you know that his origin and this psychological problem behind him. It was barely explored, and it was ruined also because then it just got into Jim Carrey mugging for the rest of the movie and kind of got stupid because of that. I mean, in in retrospect, well, I feel the, like the problem I think with Jim Carrey in that movie is that. He thought that the Riddler 
was supposed to be the Joker or something well, like that. Like, you I know, think he, okay. he, it wasn't true I to the character of the Riddler. I respectfully disagree. I think he was trying to do an impression of Frank Gorshin, who played the Riddler in the old Adam West show. Well, yeah, but it was, I, I think mean, Tommy yes. Lee Jones was Kind of an over-the-top do... impression. Yeah, but that was already a pretty ridiculous performance in the, in the Adam West one. I think Tommy Lee Jones was trying to do a Jack Nicholson impression. Like, a, I mean, it was a bad one, but that's what it seemed like to me. I mean, Two-Face is not the Joker. He's a very different character. Right. And he basically acted like, oh, I'm just crazy. Ha 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 ha. I've got two faces. And that, yeah. was, that was sort of the extent of the character. Right. Was, but I mean, mean you know, the least... Riddler is not supposed to be Woody Woodpecker either. No. Well, the thing about the Riddler is that it started a little bit more interesting where it seemed like he had like some kind of almost like a crush. And maybe he did. It really wasn't clear about that. That seemed almost. Yeah. Like, and I feel like the thing is, remember, Joel Schumacher is is actually gay and he was the director. And I feel like there's probably some things that bled into the movie from his feelings. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. In fact, I think it's kind of interesting if that could have been explored a little bit more. But I don't think anyone well, would have like, allowed that to actually happen. But I think the idea that the Riddler, because of Jim Carrey, has this, has this kind of obsession with beating the Batman as like this ultimate detective. I have to, I have to leave these clues so that to see if he can, to try to you know see if I can you know beat him with cleverness. And every time that Batman manages to figure it out, he's like, ooh, he did it. All right, let me have to, I have to come up with an even better puzzle next time. Yeah. And it, seems, yeah. And it feels like that's part of his psychosis. You know, this yeah. Kind of, and that's, um, that's really I, interesting. I, you I know what, I agree with you in that it is an interesting idea and it could have been done well if, you know, if it had been, if it had been done differently. It could have been done well. Well, I think but, even there were shades of that in the movie. But I'm just saying it kind of... It stopped being interesting, and he just started going, oh, bo, bo, bo. you know, I'm Jim Carrey. And then it was just, it got ridiculous. And even though it was kind of fun to watch it as a kid, it sort of isn't so much fun to watch it anymore. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I only have good thoughts about it because I haven't seen it in a long time since I was a kid. I mean... I put the movie in the same category as Beethoven. Oh, well. <laughs> I, I don't want to see that again. The thing is, like, something like Batman and Robin... It's fun of it's kind of like a fun movie because of how terrible it is. Right. Like you could watch it and just like every scene you, you just say what what you know, like what? with that with it's with great. that guy with the glasses. Remember he was he was like you gave my childhood hero a back card. Well, that was that's okay. I thought that was a little much even at the time, but yeah. I I just thought it was stupid that that little thing. I was like oh <laughs> hilarious, but there were many worse things in that movie. I mean, come on. I think this is on the Lost podcast episode. We talked about what happened at the at the Batman and Robin movie that we saw. Jeremy, that story is worth. Was that was that on the Lost podcast? Yeah, I think it was because I I don't remember hearing it back, but we did talk about it one time over Skype. The secret podcast that uh, only our true (laughs) listeners know about. (laughs) (laughs) They are well aware of this, and then we talk about only only a very select few. <laughs> and that he was us. All right. Yeah, um, if that if that was in the last podcast, then you guys should tell the story again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the story was relatively simple. Batman and Robin came out in 1997, and you know, we were all relatively young at the time. So we went to go see it. We had seen some of the other Batman movies, like Batman Forever already. Yeah. And and we liked it. 
Batman Forever, yeah, sure, it was all right. So we went to see Batman and Robin, and even while we were watching this movie, we thought, this movie is not so great. It, it was pretty bad. But then the movie projector, you know, it basically stopped working in the middle of the movie. <laughs> Almost like it was trying to give up. Like, no, no, I can't do this anymore, <laughs> as I tell you. Oh, God, no. Yeah, it just, it just paused <laughs> in the middle. And remember, so, and I remember they gave us the, those... Uh, like as we were walking out of the theater, they gave us those like vouchers for a free soda, and it said, "We're real sorry." R E E L. I remember well, thinking then that's a pretty stupid fucking joke. <laughs> well, the reason they did that is because they actually got it to start up again. So, yeah. because of that, you know, the thing is, actually, when I went to see Argo last year, there was a a fire alarm, and so they gave, but and everyone that came back, they gave a free coupon for another movie. So I feel like they probably would do that now, but. With Batman Robin, it just started up again. We thought, are we going to keep watching it? Yeah, we got to see how this train wreck ends. <laughs> you know, it's just it was just so bad. I didn't. It didn't get any better. <laughs> That's for sure. I I do love the the idea that even the movie projector just could not make it all the way to the end <laughs> because <laughs> it was it was just so bad. Even even the projector rejected this movie. It, it overpassed. Neon levels approaching maximum level. Ah, too yeah. much neon. Too much neon. Oh, and then you know, there's just one too many bat nipples on the guys. I mean, and it just couldn't take it anymore. I, I have this mental image of like gauges cracking and like steam shooting out of you know <laughs> exactly. busted pipes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I know, yeah. obviously, that projectors don't have steam pipes, but you know, Not that's how I imagine it. I remember. I remember it was not it was, after uh, Batman and Robin. They don't. The one thing I remember. The one thing I remember was uh, was like they played like they fought them and like played hockey or something like that. that like that was like the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and I remember Robin saying, "Whoa, it's the hockey team from hell." <laughs> and I remember thinking like I was like really like, "Oh man, he said hell." I was like, I was like right. kind of titillated about it. Although he but, used like, it in a not bad word context. Yeah, but. <laughs> like what they, what I remembered they those ice puns for years before you know, YouTube <laughs> re-uploaded the entire movie as just the puns. I remember. <laughs> I saw no. There was a great thing I saw where somebody said the best part of Batman and Robin, and it was basically just all the puns. <laughs> so, but I remember because they were just the worst thing. They were the worst. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. <laughs> it's like you had to like well man I, I'm running out of ice puns how about Ice Age how the hell are we going to fit that into the script wait a minute what if we have a dinosaur in there we can't have a dinosaur in the movie no 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 not a real dinosaur like in a museum oh my god that is going in the script right now oh, genius you're a genius alright everybody chill <laughs> Alright, everybody. Shoot. Oh, yeah, so Batman and Robin, not really a good movie. Not really a good adaptation. And Joe Schumacher has gone on and said, Listen, I'm sorry. You know, I know it's not what people wanted. Well, that's nice that he uh that he apologized for it. 